Hello everyone and welcome to this week's topic of the week. My name is Alec and we have Sir Cheatham with me as well. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the grain deal, uh, trade barriers, and world's agriculture issues. So a bit of a mouthful, but the hope of this episode is to talk about the grain deal as a whole. Um, we're going to talk about what it was, what it did, and what the Turkish president is doing now to revive the grain deal between Russia and Ukraine. And we're just going to be talking about the issues and gaps in the world's agricultural, um, just kind of yeah, agricultural system and talking about trade barriers to agricultural products. So um, before we go ahead and dive in about the world agricultural issues, let's go back and discuss what the grain deal is. I'm fairly sure most of you know what the deal was, but for those who don't know and just needs a quick refresher, uh, the UN and Turkey brokered a Black Sea grain deal on July 22nd. Uh, 2022 involving Ukraine and Russia, and it ensures safe transport of agricultural goods from Ukraine through the Black Sea ports. Um, it was an original 120-day agreement, and it was extended multiple times. Uh, over 32 million tons of food products were shipped fr from Ukraine since August 2022. Uh, and a fun fact that the World Food Program sources 80% of its wheat from Ukraine. So, wow. with Russia exiting that green deal, there has been a big problem with grain, obviously. Um, this caused wheat and corn prices to surge when Russia did leave the grain deal. Russia has denied saying that they had they did not see any rise in prices. For us uh, in Western countries, I think we didn't get that much of an impact. But for poorer countries, they felt more of the impact than international programs like the World Food Program and other humanitarian shipments, uh, humanitarian organizations, they felt that kind of brunt. They were the ones that were hit the most from Russia leaving the grain deal. Yeah. And it's, it's always going to be the poorer, the poorer nations that are going to the, the underdeveloped, the least developed, whatever you want to use for developing whatever you want to use, they're always going to be the ones that are hit the worst. Uh -huh. And in 2023, when Russia pulled out of that Black Sea grain deal, it was uh, detrimental to them because it can no longer be exported through the uh, the lanes of road or rail through Poland and via canals through Romania. So how are you going to be able to move them across continents? You know, there's, there's no... There's no way to get them to where they need to be in terms of, you know, getting into Africa or poor countries in Asia or Latin America. And and, and this is one of the greater uh, instances of what we see in the, 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 the greater agricultural theme and area is that the trade barriers, there's, there's, there's issues that go on within the world for agricultural commodities and moving those commodities Cross borders, cross seas, cross land. Um, you know, fun fact: twenty-four percent of agro food exports come from imports. So, if a country imports it, they can most of their, or not most, but almost a quarter of it is just re-exported somewhere else, um, probably for cheaper prices. And this cuts domestic farmers. Um, and this is according to the OECD, which is the uh, Organization for Economic. Uh, I forget what the C stands for. Development. Um, restricting trade has always been an issue. It, it, it causes harm to domestic economies and also domestic farmers. Um, and, and so the, the Black Sea, the grain deal is just another 
showcase of these issues um, on a global scale. Right. I kind of want to go back to um, just talking about imports and exports of agricultural products. Well, 24% might not seem a lot, but to outsource a quarter of your food that (laughs) is – now, if you put it in that perspective, it's a lot. And there's a lot of trade barriers involving agricultural products. Switzerland, for example, is one of them where they outsource every – well, they don't outsource. They get everything domestically. Yeah. Um, And a bunch of other countries as well. They stick to more in rather than looking out, but – Nowadays, a lot of people have been relying on countries like Ukraine for grain. Um, And most of the time, there's been tariffs, a lot of tariffs on, for example, the United States puts tariffs on agricultural products. Countries put tariffs on agricultural products to try to protect the domestic industry. But tariffs on these agricultural products are higher than non-agricultural goods in 90% of the country because one of them is to one, protect the domestic farmers, and two, they see agricultural goods bringing them in invasive, and they, it yeah. creates a problem for domestic farmers. Uh, and this can cause a variety of issues domestically and for the person who is the country, organization, business that is also supplying their agricultural products to um, a receiving nation, business, person, whoever it is. Um, so... Yeah, and the the problems that the pandemic uh, really really showed the the real core issue um, was moving these agricultural commodities and what happens when that stops. Mm-hmm. So n- now farmers have to catch up, and with these tariffs, they are losing incredible amounts of money because they are catching up and they're paying higher uh, prices to move it. So in the end of the day, we have to look at what's best for these farmers. We have to look at what's best for our industries. And in terms of some economies, when you look at, let's say, the United States and China and India, we have very large populations. So the best way to get our food is to import it. That is the best way. Uh, and that, that is an unfortunate thing that we have to do. Now, the United States has been one of those countries that's used technology and, and enhances in, in those technologies to obviously breed and, and make bigger cows and more chickens and, and all that, as we discussed in a prior topic of the week. But most countries can't do that. Most countries are against that as well. Look at Europe. Europe is very, very big on everything being domestically made. Which is why food over there, in my personal opinion, and I think Alec would share this one with me, tastes a little bit better. Oh, so, yeah, and, and so you could see what now happens in terms of France were to take their imports in to their country, they're just going to hurt their domestic market, or, or, or could could wipe it away completely. Of course, and I think that the United States has the capabilities to produce without using uh, genetically modified materials. They genetically Mm -hmm. modify, we genetically modify a lot of things where we can go away with having not to, but because of greed and trying to get as much for as little as possible, it affects not only our health, but also should we want to export the health of others, which is part of the reason why 
tariffs on agricultural products are so expensive is because of these reasons. Now, mm-hmm. I believe that we that importing agricultural products is okay to a certain degree. I think there should be diversification and there should be international standards of what can be produced and what can't be produced, meaning can you use chemicals to grow a certain crop, can you use chemicals to grow to kind of like enlarge chicken breasts or enlarge meat or whatever it is. If we combine those two, we wouldn't have an issue where one country relies solely on another country and when something happens to that country, country A is then affected because country B is in some sort of conflict and they can't get their exports out. Diversification is a big part of that problem. They're not diversifying and they're they're looking to other countries. What they should do is a mix of both, like what we were discussing is domestic production and also looking to not only one country, but looking to multiple countries and trying mm-hmm. to pull resources, uh, agricultural resources from different countries versus, let's say, I'm country A and I want all my grain to come from Ukraine. With the war going on, I'm screwed. I'm done. So I think that's another big problem is that tariffs are so high because we're not diversifying our agricultural portfolio. Yeah. And one of the other biggest reasons for developing nations is that their their technology just isn't there. When you do not have the ability in in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, to get water to your uh to your farm, local farm that provides for your village, you know, life is a little different in smaller areas in, in Asia or in Africa or in Latin America and even in Europe, where a singular farm feeds a town. Not just a family, a town. So when you lose that ability to get water to your crops or the ability to have crop rotations, the ability for your cattle and your animals to feed, you you screw over that entire town and people starve. So technology is another prime, prime example. One of the things that I'm very surprised that we don't do more often as, as countries like the United States and like Europe is information share technologies in agriculture. That is, I think, an important step that can go to the UN, of course, to be able to spread that information and spread that database around and share technologies, invest in technologies to give to Africa. Africa needs things like desalinization, teaching different methods, giving them tractors, um, having them hook up uh, sprinkler systems, aqueducts, anything that could help bring water to and new cycles, crops, you know, uh, 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 vitamins, whatever it is, to these farmers that so desperately need it to survive. I think the U.S. and the EU is so busy trying to find what tariff they could bring up to the World Trade Organization just oh yeah absolutely. just because just you know they want to what, what's the term I'm looking for trade uh, what Embargo? the World Trade Organization no it's um, dispute they're oh, dispute, too busy yeah. looking oh. what to dispute <laughs> versus information exchange and they could just if, if they just information exchange a lot of things and going beyond agriculture information exchanging technologies for agriculture information a lot of these trade tariffs would just just yeah. go down but th- that's a different conversation but we're just too tied up in uh trying to target one another versus actually dealing with the agricultural issues 
the United States and the EU are fa are facing. Probably not right now because they probably figured it out. But uh, for future reference, I think it's we need to look into different ways instead of targeting each other all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. And for some people who are thinking that, um, well, if if we have the Internet, why can't we just look it up on the Internet? You have to remember these towns, there are areas in the world that still don't have access to Internet to learn these these skills. Then you also have to factor in that they also don't have the capital to get these technologies and build them for themselves, import these technologies. They are poor. That's the unfortunate reality. So what we have to do is work with their governments to help get them that with government um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Government assistance. You know, the government buys half. You buy the other half. You pay the government over time. You know, that can help change a farmer's life. And the other thing that's going to be really big is – this is a – Big thing for me personally, and this should be across the board on economics, I think, is just getting rid of trade tariffs. If there is one industry we need to get rid of them, it's agriculture because people need to eat. People need to eat. That's just a part of our lives. Why are we tariffing certain commodities and technologies? Because we want to get a few extra bucks. We talk about world hunger. Well, you want to start fixing world hunger, stop tariffing each other. Let people get their their food. Yep, that's funny because, uh, I, as I said before, tariffs on agricultural products are way higher than non-agricultural products. And I get it. Tariffs are set in place to protect domestic industries and protect businesses in a receiving country, um, not lose their competitive advantage over their, their competitors in the other country. But... What you're saying is there should be some international standard on certain products that shouldn't be tariffed. And <laughs> if we promote across the board, tariff-free, a lot of things, that would reduce the costs on production on many things. Will it hurt the domestic industries of the receiving country? Possibly. It has that chance too, but that also incentivizes that country to outsource materials because there's little to no tariffs, to try to develop something different. And this can be applied for agricultural products. Maybe they want to make the next generation combine, the next generation tractor, whatever it is. They can insource that material for low tariffs and then come up with something and then send it out again with little to no tariffs. Applying, I think we do need some sort of international standard on what to put on tariffs and what the limits should be. I think we're going a little too extreme, especially on agricultural products. If the, if countries want to place tariffs to protect the domestic industries, I think they should have that ability to protect themselves, but nothing too extreme where it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna tax you. Unbelievable! Don't bring don't bring that stuff here. That's that's ridiculous because if the domestic industry cannot keep up with production to to feed their people, there should be no reason why those tariffs still exist. Yeah, and, and here's here's the, the 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 side B to this this story. We get rid of tariffs for the promotion of you know or, or yeah the promotion of 
a market. We want to have competition. But then there's B, where that government should invest solely in their domestic industry. So there's there's two sides to that coin where, okay, we are taking in imports for things that we need. Okay, I get it. Even if you don't need them and you get them at a cheaper price, I understand. Take them in, it's economics. But if at the same time, use that money to invest in your domestic industry, you're now giving a competitive advantage to both parties, which creates a competitive market, which means you're going to get the best price, the best products, quality products on the market. So it's not like you're sitting there and you're like, well, okay, I want to get the cheapest price today. But that's the only option because the cheapest price is the only thing that's good. But if you invest in the domestic industry in America, we have cheaper grocery stores that we can go to so that we can get something that's cheap. But but if I want something that is made locally, it's going to be more expensive, but it's made locally and it's going to be high quality. So if I want it, I'm going to go buy it. That's the nature of economics because we invest in our local farmers – and they have the technology to do so to compete, even though they're more expensive. You know what you're getting. You're getting high-quality food, high-quality eggs, high-quality meats. But if you want something cheap because you can't afford it, there's the option. But there's not that option in other countries. It's only cheap. Right. So what you're saying is, just so we're on the same page, remove tariffs, but strategically so that there are still – you saw that ability to choose, but also – be able to compete because I strongly agree with you because I think that we're looking at tariffs the wrong way. I think tariffs exactly. are are just greed. It, it's been greed. It's always greed because if we remove tariffs with what you're saying, it'll promote um, like competition for domestic mm-hmm. industries to compete with those other because we're I think we're being a little too overprotective of our agricultural system, and I think that the agricultural system in order to provide for the world needs a little bit more competition. Everything sprouts from competition and technological advancements, everything What's not, what's not to say we apply that same theory into agriculture as well is basically yeah. what you're saying. And I think I just mm-hmm. added a little bit more onto it. Absolutely. And, it, and again, it, it comes, that competition comes from government investment. I'm not telling the, I'm not saying that the government needs to go in and give these people per farm and say, okay, here you go. How about we do things like this? We invest in technologies that are able to be developed and give them to local farmers for discounts. Let's say 50% off. There's a new tractor. There's aqueduct systems that need to be uh, put into their farms to help them, you know, grow more seed, grow more crops, give them at a discount. Don't just give them $5,000. Who knows what people are going to do with that money? You don't just give them money, but you can give them discounts. So what you're getting is that the farmers know that they can go out and get the best technology and learn the best techniques to compete with the imports that are coming in at the markets. That's what needs to be done is investments in 
our own industry. And that should not take away from removing tariffs. It shouldn't. Because if you're investing in that industry, your industry is automatically going to come up and compete because you're giving them an advantage. Only advantage that the exports have is that they don't have to pay tariffs. That's it. That's the only thing. But the advantage of having the technology and the education and the money to be able to compete is so much higher. Right. I want to tie all this now, what we said, to the grain deal because yeah. everything what we said is exactly what we're talking about. Now, I want to talk yep. about the, the deal between Turkey and what, what Turkey and Russia is working on, and then we're going to tie in everything what we said onto some solutions. So Turkish President Erdogan said he can revive the grain deal. He said it's a big if, but he can do it should Russia uh, – and Russia, one of their main demands – is to reconnect the Russian agricultural bank to the SWIFT international payment system. So for those who don't know, SWIFT okay. is SWIFT is what everything, like all our money-wise, moves through banks to bank communication, how money is sent throughout the world. SWIFT is like the lifeline, essentially, yeah. for money movement. So he's he's willing to do this with that condition as well as um, removal on certain Russian agricultural exports. So the West has placed restrictions on Russian agricultural exports, and Russia and Putin wants those lifted. Um, and he said that he denies claims that Russia has caused a food crisis. Uh, da 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 da. So uh, he wants to overcome uh, any restrictions on payment, logistics, and insurance that hinder its food and fertilized exports. So that's kind of his demands, and it's it's kind of what we're saying, right? It's almost like what we're saying yeah almost almost but it's 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 interesting because it's like okay putin wants to send they want their grain they want the grain out of ukraine out but they won't do it unless they're back into the russian agricultural bank is back into swift so we're kind of at a dilemma here it's like this is the second part of this the the trade barrier situation is we had a country that tried to weaponize grain and by weaponize I mean um, use grain and block grain exports yeah. for personal gain. So now we're there's this limit saying should, if a country weaponizes grain through trade barriers, what should we do now? Because that's kind of like the wrench in what we're talking about. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough. That is that's tough. The, that's the question. Because you – so you look at look at why, why they're weaponizing grain because it's their largest export. How do you counterattack that? I mean are we going to – is the United States going to send Ukraine grain? <laughs> we don't have enough. Like what, what's – What's going to happen in, in that point? You have to combine like 90% of the rest of the market to, to give them – to give Ukraine grain. That's the only solution. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you stumped it's, me there. It's a, it's a really tough one. I'm thinking about it. I mean this is the thing where we have to look at the greater good here. We have to swallow our pride in situations like these. And I think this is 
an acceptable moment to try to remove the trade barrier. Because again, this is something where it's like, yes, this is like if we, it's going to hurt Western pride, right? The, the belief that, oh, we got Russia, we got him backed in the corner. But they now they weaponized grain. It's like, well, do we really want to do this to the international community and block grain and refuse to be stubborn? Or should we just roll with it? I mean, there's I mean, people's lives at stake at this point. I mean, food is, is, again, it's just lives at stake. And that's that's what I was aiming to. It's like now yeah. it's a matter of global security. And sometimes you just have to remove trade barriers as a result of not only for um, promoting competition, right? To remove tariffs and trade barriers to promote economic competition, but also removing trade barriers with a country to for global security reasons as well. So this kind of adds to the, our conversation. Now there's a security element of removing barriers. The West needs to get rid of its pride. It really does. <laughs> like, I understand what you're, they're, they're trying to do, but at the end of the day, you're not doing anything. Russia doesn't care. Russia's never going to care. So why do something that's not going to work? <laughs> just, just, just keep things moving as normal. The war hasn't spread. Russia's not winning. They they seem like it, but they're not. So just keep keep going as normal. You're not. You're, you're, the only thing Russia is trying to do is show that the West is weak. And right now, they're doing a dang good job at it. Yep. I mean, would would I personally be okay in seeing Russian grain in Western markets? I mean, I'm, I look at the greater good. I look at the people, and I, I don't mind where the grain is coming from. Western politicians might not think so, but I think our fight is with Russia, not on grain. That's it's that's, not on food. It's it, people it's, have to freaking eat. People have to eat. We need to realize that it's not like the it's not like they're selling AK-47s on the street, and they're just like here you go. Like this is food. This is grain. I don't care. If it said the Satan on it, like it, it's got to someone. People are going to starve. They got to get over that it. Would, and I that that would increase our image as well. It's like okay, we're putting Western pride aside for stocking up our shelves. And if these are the Russian demands, which are to go to put the Russian agricultural bank into SWIFT again, and also what was the other one? Uh. Return to the deal of Western restrictions on Russian agricultural export. If these are the only two kind of demands from Russia, I I'd, I'd expected something a little more a little more out of Russia. But if these are the only ones, what's not to say that the West and Russia can come together and say, "Listen, we understand you want to put your bank back into SWIFT. We'll continue exporting goods, agri- grain out of your country." Should you only use the money that is being circulated in the Russian Agricultural Bank to promote, to create more grain? But then also, Russia will continue to create more demands. Like, okay, well, if you want this, then I'm going to need a little bit more of this. So this, either these these demands are weak on purpose, or it's they're trying to attract us in some way so that we can ask for a little more, and then Russia asks for a little more in return. So I'm I'm kind yeah. of shocked. Uh, what's what's going on? To me, it sounds just plain business. I think what Russia is 
really aiming at is to get a competitive advantage in a market that, you know, they're one of the people that are players that dominate it. That's it. And if, if it's risking people getting food versus screwing over Russia, I'm going to choose giving people food every single time. So absolutely Joe Biden, Manuel Macron, Sinuk, I hope you're listening. Get your heads out of your butts and please leave. Like, like, like you're, you're starving poor people. Let's be real. France is not affected by this. The United States is not affected by this. England, the United Kingdom is not affected by this. Africa is affected by this. Latin America is affected by this. Poor countries in Asia are affected by this. So figure it out. And I think what the concern is, is that they have um, – Russia is a big exporter in general of just agricultural products. One of their main yeah. exports, one of their main like ways they make money is agricultural exports. And they're worried, I think, the West that agricultural products are going to flood the domestic markets. And it's kind of like Russia using grain again to attack our economy through flooding the markets instead of starving it. But I think what the, what the West can do here is reuse that grain buy it cheap if they could and reselling it to countries who need it or providing it to uh, international organizations that have the money to buy up all this grain because of the funding they receive obviously from countries and to give it to to countries in need i think if we look at it that way versus us worrying about flooding our markets with russian grain i think this whole situation is done right yeah because putin's gonna be like and russia's gonna be like dang they just did something good like they they took the grain at a cheap price and gave it away like that's and that would increase our image and that would increase our image as well again it's like oh okay we've we've gone past the west east divide we went into russia we got the grain out and we gave it because we already have it that's yeah i think that yeah the United States has a GDP of $25 trillion. The EU has a GDP of $14 trillion. If we give away cheap grain for free, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> Economists are going to look at me and be like, oh, what do you mean by that? I don't care. I don't care. We have the largest markets. Too. We have the, the largest market and the third largest market in the world get over it do something <laughs> good it. enhance enhance the image enhance the image because okay let's look at it this way we do something good for the world then african nations poor asian nations are like yeah you know let's make deals let's make trade deals with the united states boom return on investment done okay but what did we lose nothing we gained partnerships and in, in, in money <laughs> whatever <laughs> So what you're saying is we're gonna we're essentially paying for our image. That's that's all it is. We, as the United States, have paid for our image for years, and it has paid <laughs> dividends. That's why we're the largest and most powerful country to ever exist. We forgot that that's the reason we 
pay for our image. We did it in World War One. We did it in World War Two. We did it in Vietnam. We've done it in Africa to help out with uh, their crises. We've done it in Asia. We'll do it again. Done. Love End that. of story. <laughs> Thank you all for watching. <laughs> I think that was the hot take for the episode, and I think yeah. that's the perfect place to, to end the episode right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening into this week's topic of the week. We hope you enjoyed that one. Very fruitful discussion. I love this episode yeah, a lot. Great one. Um, we're going to be posting. Uh, I've said it in the last episode. I'll say it again. We'll be on ngfnews.com. Flood it. Fill it with traffic because we'll only be writing blog posts one to three one to three blog posts a day for you guys to enjoy. Should you guys want a blog post, send us a message on our social medias, DM us, send us an email, whatever you want. If you want a blog post, we'll get it written for you on any topic. Yep, absolutely. We hope these discussions were um, enlightening on what uh, something that's not, I guess, not really talked about a lot is the, the issues of why we don't, why we have starving people in this world, why we have world hunger. Um, comes down really to greed. Poor balance sheet. Uh, poor, very poor balance sheet, of course. Very as well. poor balance sheet. Yeah. We'll save that for the next episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care, everyone. Yeah, take care.